number one. Miss any part of the show? Every moment of every show is available in podcast form by searching Hanson Scotty on your favorite podcasting platform or online at kslsports.com. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Scotty G is on a flight headed out to Fresno. He's going to be calling that game coming up tomorrow. And I guess the flight got canceled. He had to jump on at 11 o'clock. But it's looking like we're going to have Scotty ready for us at about 2 o'clock. So maybe the top of the two. And we'll talk about this Aggies team. We'll talk a little college basketball. Talk about the Utah Jazz win last night. Finally getting off a pretty ugly losing streak. Beating the San Antonio Spurs 128-109. to But Scotty's doing his doing his thing out there with the Utah State Aggies. And it's a good team. Can't wait to see what they do with Mount West Conference play and how they kind of wrap things up there. But I know that this team is unified. They've got athleticism. They've got size where they need size. They've got fantastic coaching. And they're in a pretty tough conference, too. And so Scotty G will join us probably sometime around 205, 210. That's the hope, is that we – have Scotty G ready to roll at the top of the 2 o'clock hour so we can get into a couple of things with Utah State, um, specifically on how they finish things out. But the Utah Jazz kind of figured things out last night. Larry Markinen ended up with 21 points. You know, we got to see Victor Wembenyama, who is a spectacular, I you know, Jake, I believe Jake called him sleek. I would call him the most unique body that the NBA has ever seen. I don't think the NBA has ever seen a body like Victor Wembanyama. It's just so fluid and unique and long. Jake talked about his limbs. His limbs are definitely long, but the, the overall torso is insanely long. And it's, you know, you, you look at him and you think, okay, how great can he be? And how long can he be great? He definitely has to put on some size. He definitely has got to figure out some things defensively because all Utah Jazz fans watching last night saw him anytime he went out to the perimeter. Somebody was going to get by him, and it didn't matter what size they were. You get by him, and he just doesn't have – he doesn't quite have the technique or maybe the drive or whatever it is to turn and trail defend like Rudy Gobert did so well. But he is something else to watch offensively. What a special talent. Keontae George hit a couple of big threes and had some big moments last night. It's always good to see Keontae George doing his thing. Continue to see those rookies thrive. Taylor Hendricks is a guy I think we're all watching. Want to see Taylor Hendricks grow, become better. And he's showing that. He showed at least some toughness getting into Victor Wimiyama's chest a couple of times, but... San Antonio, at the beginning parts of the fourth quarter, went on a 15-5 to run and got that thing within nine. And I was thinking, oh, boy. I was thinking, here we go. Uh, I, I thought at that point, I thought maybe San Antonio makes a run. 
and catches up with the lead and figures out a way to win that thing. But luckily, the Utah Jazz stepped back on the pedal. I think they went on a was it a twelve to eight or something like that, twelve to six run to extend to twelve points again and finish it out the way they needed to finish it out. But the tough thing with the Utah Jazz, their schedule only continues to increase in difficulty. And so we'll be watching the Utah Jazz really closely, how they're able to finish out their final 24 games. Excited now to be joined by the head coach, the Utah women's basketball team, Lynn Roberts. Coach, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing great. It's great to catch up with you again, especially uh, a day after a phenomenal win. How'd that thing go down last night? How excited were you? Yeah, that was great. You know, we we played uh, when we played UCLA and USC here. We beat them both. Uh, they both were top ten at the time, and and so we're going down. We you know five weeks later go down and play at uh, UCLA on ESPN Thursday night and just completely laid an egg. We were awful in every sense of the game, uh, and you know we had a kid get six stitches on top of her head. One of our best players. It was just it was like the wheels fell off and and. Uh, it was awful, <laughs> but it's February and, and there's no time to feel sorry for yourself or dwell. So you just move forward and it's really proud of our team bouncing back playing uh, currently number seven USC at USC with, you know, one of the best players in the country, um, probably behind Caitlin Clark. You know, she's Juju Watkins. She's unbelievable. So we played there and obviously Alyssa Peely's former school and team, um, you know, tons of people, packed house, and, and we got the win. So that's our fourth top ten win of the season, which is awesome. Um, but just more proud of our team for all the adversity we've faced this year and just kind of our ability to keep, you know, getting back up and swinging. And, and you know, and now we're heading into March, and it starts to get really, really fun. That's incredible. That Just the, the number that you threw out there, fourth top ten win. I believe all four of those are in Pac-12 play, if I'm not mistaken, unless I'm forgetting an early season game but that tells you how tough this conference is coach oh it's unbelievable and i was i was speaking with uh somebody that you know just in terms of the ncaa committee and seating and all of that um and it's ridiculous and and so us playing all each other helps our strength of schedule but it kind of hurts because we beat each other up in terms of wins and losses so uh but right now i think there are eight teams in the top 25 in terms of all the you know not just net but like kind of, and but including net strength of schedule, there's five different things where they, you know, the kind of the algorithm that they use on the women's side. Um, so there's five teams, or I'm sorry, eight teams in the top 25. So it's bananas. And when it's all said and done, we will have played, I think, 16 teams in the top 25 during the season. <laughs> so incredible. it's just ridiculous. But uh, we'll be back. You know, all of us that'll make the NCAA tournament. And right now, there there could be eight. Um, we're all going to be battle tested, and all these games that we're playing, they're you know they're NCAA tournament type games, um, and that's why the Pac-12 on the women's side does so well in the NCAA tournament. You know, I played sports for a long time, coach, and I had a lot of different coaches tell me that every year was so different, regardless of how much uh, how how many teammates you might have lost in a given year with the uh, end of eligibility. But how much different is this team compared to your Sweet 16 team last year? It's different, and it, I mean that's it's such a great distinction because even if you have a lot of the same ingredients um, from a team, you know, from year to year, the, the recipe always comes out different, and um, and that's kind of the beauty of team sports, and and 
you know, that's the challenge of it and the beauty of it. Uh, but the team, you know, we had everybody back of our top eight players and uh, from the Sweet 16 team. But then we lost to our our starting point guard and and then Gianna Nipkins. It was 34 points a game. Mm-hmm. So we haven't had the team that we had in terms of the potential since November 14th. And <clears throat> so it's been a year of adjusting and adapting. And um, you know, we we have not been at full strength all year. And, you know, and even now we've got kids coming in and out and and it's just part of it, you know. And so you have to adapt and you have to recruit depth so that when it happens, you don't completely fall off the the wagon. And uh, so the team is very different, but the culture is the same. And what these guys are made of is the same um, in terms of, you know, we pride ourselves. and, And it's not too different than football. I think that's what Utah Athletics you know, that's where your success, you can hang your hat on just kind of being that blue collar. We're going to out tough you, outwork you. You might have more five-star athletes than us, but that doesn't mean you're going to win. So that's kind of what our culture is. It's, a, it's, it's you know, we want to win more than we want to get ours, and that's how we play. So like yesterday, as an example, we scored 23, we made 23 baskets and had 21 assists um, with having one of the best players in the country in Alyssa Peely. So we're not just throw the ball to her and get out of the way and you know it's it's a fun style and our culture is about us over you know the individual talking with the great lynn roberts head coach for the utah women's basketball team she's doing a fantastic job took this team to the sweet 16 last year has this team primed and ready doing some great things got a big time win over number seven usc last night on the road, which was really difficult. And I didn't bring this up, and I, I wasn't going to bring it up, but you had mentioned it just talking about the weekend. So when when you're top-end coach, and, and you've obviously you've, you've developed into something that's just incredible here, do you come home and think more about the loss to UCLA or, or more about the win to USC? What sits heavier on you? <laughs> that's a great question. Uh, I'll tell you what, after that USC game, that, that weighed about as heavy as, as a two ton truck on me. Uh, and, you know, I think at this point in the season, I don't care what team you're coaching or what team you're on, whether you're in last place or first place or whatever, like, you know, who you are and you know, what makes you good and you know, what makes you bad. And on Thursday, we did all the things that make us bad. And the frustrating thing for that about that as a coach is we all know the players know we know. So it's kind of head scratching. I was more, dumbfounded than anything about why did why did that happen Uh, not to say that we had to beat UCLA I mean we did at our place but it was just the way we competed Um, so that one weighs on me more but I'm incredibly you know it's hard on the road you lose like you did on national tv to pick yourself back up and compete the way we did you know two days later like that that's what I'm most proud of with our group Um, that was a hostile environment and Alyssa Peely's getting booze and um, you know, USC is good and, you know, a lot of people and it, it was hard. Uh, but the way we competed and fought is what I'm most proud of. So, you know, and like I keep saying, it's February, like we got to move on. So we play Washington State on Thursday. It's no longer about the win at USC, but I hope for our players, it gives them a little boost of confidence and some wind in your sails because February is hard. You know, you're playing teams for the second time. They know you so well, you know them so well. You know, everyone's ready for the NCAA tournament, and you got to stay present, stay grounded, or you're going to trip up. Is Alyssa Peely one of the toughest competitors you've ever been around? I mean, taking the booze that you talked about, she comes out of there 23 and nine, leading the team in both points and rebounds. Is she, she the toughest minded, toughest character you've you've coached? She's one of them for sure. I and mean, we've got a lot of them on our team. I think that's why we've been successful. 
Um, but the amount of pressure and attention she gets is, is the most I've ever seen. You know, everywhere we go, and I've shared this, but it's true, and it happened yesterday at USC. Everywhere we go, there is a crowd, and I'm talking hundreds of people waiting to get a picture with her, an autograph, mm. um, you know, whatever, a selfie. Yeah, it's awesome. And, you know, as I've joked, like we're all waiting on the bus for her, but she takes the time to, to greet and engage with every single person. And it's a, it's a different demographic too, right? Like uh, there has never been, I, I heard the other day, there's never been a Polynesian in the WNBA and there's going to be, which is pretty cool. Um, but she's also half Native American. And, and so, um, you know, she, her, her demographic reaches a, a across you know boundaries that have never been crossed so you know there's all these people that come out to see her because it's they've never seen anyone that looks like them be on the stage she's on which is that's what representation is and that's why it's so important so to handle all of that uh, and still as you said put up 23 and 9 and you know go 12 for 14 from the free throw line at the end because they were fouling and they just kept fouling her and knocked them down with booze and all the things, the students behind her, like she is tough and she has an ability to focus when it counts. I'll tell you what, Coach Roberts, this is, I've never seen women's basketball with this kind of notoriety and, and attention. And, you know, it does take superstars and it takes good teams. And the Bayou Barbie is incredible. You brought up Caitlin Clark, yeah. you throw in Alyssa Peely. And we've got one of the best group of women's basketball players that brings people's eyes to the TV screens, but it also creates a heavy load of competition. And I got to imagine it's pretty hard coaching in today's climate. It is. It is very hard. And like I said, in the league we're in, there is no time to, you know, exhale. Like you just got to keep pushing. Um, And if you can make the NCAA tournament, which we will, but you know, that's the goal. uh, Then you feel like there's some confidence because you you've battled, but yeah, it's hard. Recruiting's hard. Every, you know, it's coaching is, that's why we're all us coaches are all a little weird uh, you know to get into this and to love it uh you got to be a little different <laughs> but uh i do think that the it is incredibly rewarding this is my 22nd year as a head coach um i don't feel that old but evidently i am um you know the, the growth of the game even in the last five years has been remarkable uh and i think there's a lot of reasons for that but you know, you mentioned the names. I think, you know, on the men's side, I've heard a lot of people say, like, I don't know who the best players are on the men's side in the country, right? Like, it's because they're, you know, that they're either one and done or they're transferring or whatever. And so on the women's side, because you can't leave college early to go to the WNBA, um, you know, they're, they're staying in college. And, and so you fans and, you know, media and all the things, you get a chance to – know the personalities and get to know the people and sports comes down to that, right? Like you want to know who you're watching and and feel a connection to your team or to the player or whatever. So I do think we've got the ball rolling in the right direction and, you know, attendance is up. Our attendance is up 75% in the last two years. Like it's just, it's booming and it's incredibly cool to see. It's incredibly cool to see it. It's a lot of fun to cover and it's, it's great for us because we, we love great sports and that's what it's become. And your team yeah. has, has been so special, you know, and it's demanding attention, and I love it. I, I want to get uh, I want to get your philosophy on the Pac-12 tournament. I, I know losing in the quarterfinals to Washington State wasn't what you'd hoped last year. It, uh, you've got two games to finish out the regular season, the two Washington schools, and then you're on to the Pac-12 tournament. 
how do you approach that tournament? Is it a, a win at all costs, or is it, hey, brush up, get ready for turnip, the big tournament play? How do you approach that Pac-12 tournament? Yeah, it's a great question, too. It's, it's hard because, you know, last year, going into the Pac-12 tournament, we were sitting as a one seed, and then we lost in that quarterfinals. We just, you know, we had beaten Stanford at home a few days earlier and clinched the Pac-12 and all the things, and I think we were just emotionally spent. Um, I didn't, you know, none of us planned on that, and it wasn't like, hey, guys, just let's take it easy. It doesn't matter. Um, so if I think if we had won one of those games, we probably would have stayed a one seed, but, you know, could have, should have, would have. We didn't, and so we were a two. You know, this year we're in a little different situation because we're kind of teetering at a four or five seed. Mm-hmm. And on the women's side, the top uh, 16 teams, so one through four at each side of the four, you know, four regional bracket, get to host the first two games of the tournament. So that's a big deal. And you want to be a four more than you want to be a five, right? Because then you get to host and your chances of winning go up. Um, And they do that on the women's side, one, for attendance, just to make sure that those first couple games there's fans, and two – you know, it's it's historically been we want to put the best teams forward and make sure that we're getting um, the best teams and the, the biggest TV slots. Well, now there's so much parity. It's going to be interesting if we stick with that model. But um, who knows what the whole NCAA, what models we'll stick with, right? Like yeah. there's a whole lot of things in the, in the air, but that's one of them. Uh, so we definitely want to host. So we need to, you know, if, if that's something that is in our sights, which it is, we got to focus on Washington state. And then two days later, we got to focus on UW. And then I think we've got to go into the PAC 12 tournament this season thinking, you know, we got to, we got to do the best we can so we can host. And uh, so it's kind of a, it's kind of both. Like let's do the best we can because we want to get ready for March. Um, I think there's a less, you know, and I've been in it two years ago where we were, we were in the tournament, but we wanted to make sure and, 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 you know, lock ourselves in and we made it to the championship and be, and you know turned out to be a seven seed so i think it depends on where you're at in terms of how you look at the tournament but you know you get everybody down there in one site and, and suddenly the competitive juices get going and everybody wants to beat everybody for the last time and this truly is the last time it was pretty special that you got to host gardner webb in princeton last year i thought that was pretty incredible yeah, that was neat, and and what an experience! And, the, and Salt Lake City showed up, and you know we had over ten thousand for for the games, and it just was a, you know I've always said Salt Lake City is a basketball town, and and it's been incredibly rewarding to see it, you know, kind of catch on fire with women's basketball, not just the Jazz or you know the running youths, but let's let's throw us in there too. I think people like good basketball, and that's what we're doing right now on the women's side, and we want to keep it going here in Salt Lake. No question about it. It really is. It's fantastic basketball, a lot of fun to watch. I hope people are tuning in, buying tickets, and getting out there to see this Utah women's basketball team because it's unique and it's special. I I, I should let you go. Can I throw one more question at you, Coach? I absolutely. I I'm so curious. You kind of briefly mentioned it. Is is name, image, and likeness? Is it really leaking heavy into the women's side of sports too? <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't describe it as leaking. I would say flooding. Okay. Uh, it's a it's a big huge part of it. Um, I think probably you know men's and women's basketball and football are probably the biggest spaces, um, you know, across the board nationally. So I know at, at Utah gymnastics, just because of the, the state, the status of our program, but not everybody, you know, not very many people have gymnastics. So, um, but in terms of, yes, it is a huge, 
huge deal. And, you know, for better or worse, it is what it is. Adapt or die. So we're in, we're in the space for sure. Yeah, that's tough. And I, I've got to remember, I got to imagine having a little bit of notoriety and some success has to help you get those boosters and the dollars and, and the money put together for the collectives. But just keeps getting more and more difficult free transfers for everybody coaching it it's a little frustrating on air i'll tell you all of us trying to keep track on on air and transfers and name image and likeness and collectives it it gets frustrating to even track let alone having to coach it it's got to be really tough yeah it does but you know i think back when i played and even in the, the the first time you know first few years when i was coaching i think this is what happened you know pendulum always swings too far right so back when I played and when I first started coaching, like the student athletes, you could do anything with them, right? Like you could run them at midnight if you wanted to. You didn't have to feed them. There was just, you know, they, they didn't get any extra. Uh, you could go into a bookstore and, and buy, you know, J.J. Reddick's jersey at Duke, you know, the highest selling jersey ever in Duke history. And he wouldn't, you know, he never got a penny of it. So now where it's swung so far the other way, to where it's it's kind of like whoa like maybe <laughs> can we find a happy medium yeah. and i you know just like everything else i do think it'll swing back on some level um but we're just in the midst of a of a change and and transition and it's it's uncomfortable and it's you know maybe it's not perfect but i do have faith that it'll swing back to where it's a little more regulated and logical and benefits both the athletes and the the institution so that's my hope and you know i hope i'm still coaching when that happens but i do believe that will happen i hope it happens too you know my co-host here on the show is scott girardi he's the voice of the utah state aggies and he's actually on a flight to call the fresno state game tomorrow and coach they had a roster that came back that had not scored a single point for the 2022-23 season not a single point returned i know i've been tracking that what an incredible coaching job and leadership there to get that group playing the level they're at it is it's it's possible but i think coach sprinkle is going to lose some hair over this because it's <laughs> it's got to oh, be difficult yeah it is hard and and the, the hard thing you know when you recruit high school kids you you start recruiting when they're 15 16 right so by the time they get to you at 18 you know them you know their family you know kind of you know so much about them they visited at least once maybe twice or more and there's a there's an actual relationship there, right? That that has a foundation. The transfer portal transfer portal is hard because it's a, it's a, it's a microwave recruiting. Like it's two three weeks, and kids are making decisions. So you think you know what you're getting. You hope you know what you're getting. Um, and it's it's a two sided coin. They hope they think you know they know what they're getting, and that's why it sometimes doesn't work because it's like what I thought in that microwave process isn't what it is. Um, and not to say anyone was wrong in it, but, you know, and that's what's hard with the recruiting out of the portal. You don't really know what you're going to get. So it sounds like at Utah State they got some good guys, but that's not always the way. Well, Coach Roberts, I've kept you way too long, but you're one of our favorites. I appreciate you taking a few minutes, and I'm going to encourage everybody to get out there for the final two regular season games. They're going to be played up there at the Huntsman Center before they get into Pac-12 Tournament Championship action. you got to get out there and take a look at this team Support them. They're fantastic. Coach, thank you so yes, much please. for your time. Yeah, anytime. I appreciate you having me on. Yep. That's the great Lynn Roberts. She's spectacular. And I love what she's doing with this Utah women's program right now. Big time win over number seven USC just last night. And she's kind enough to take a few minutes and jump on with us today. 
All right, we're in studio hanging out with uh, Teton, Ethan from Teton. That's right. We're just helping you get set up and ready to go do the things that you want to do. Yep. Is that one of your favorite things, working with people and seeing that light in their eyes like, oh, I'm almost done after 45 years of working. Honestly, that's actually the number one thing. So when I when I made this pivot over into the financial world, I was chasing a longer runway, some more opportunity professionally. What I didn't expect is I didn't expect to feel so good about the work. I didn't expect it to be so rewarding. But, you know, financial questions and anxiety can just erode us erode our relationships erode who we are just slowly erode our confidence just slowly over time and when you have the opportunity to step in and help somebody overcome even just a few of those things boy it's hugely rewarding because you can see the kind of change that takes place in their relationships in their family in their own personal lives and you know we all need a purpose to live right especially when you are looking forward to a retirement your purpose for so long is your work right and raising your family you hit retirement suddenly your family doesn't really need you in that same way your work doesn't need you at all and now what's your purpose and so being able to help each other live help help people live into their purpose that becomes our purpose yep. at Teton Wealth Group and I, and I just With I the love financial that. responsibility I know yeah. we're not here to talk philosophy but yeah, that's but that's, uh, but that's a great thing it's it's been really cool and I've really really liked it and and I'll tell you uh, how to find that purpose and how to reduce that anxiety is at Teton Wealth Group, we use the Ascent Plan. Every family that we work with has an Ascent Plan. And that's how we plot out that pathway into a great and prosperous and joyful retirement. And so what we'd like to do is if you don't have an Ascent Plan yet, you definitely need one. So call right now, 385-800-7967. That's 385-800-7967. We're going to do, we're doing 10 Ascent plans to the first uh, 10 listeners that call in during uh, your program. We still have plenty of spots. We do. We still have, uh, we still have several available. So 385-800-7967. So if you are, you know, really looking forward to a great retirement, but you're worried that you're not making the right moves now, that you're you're in some way sabotaging yourself. Well, this Ascent Plan is for you. If you're worried that you're just getting a real late start, this Ascent Plan is for you. Maybe you've already retired and you're thinking, how do I survive inflation? What if we see another market downturn? This Ascent Plan is for you because you don't need to reinvent the wheel. There is a well-worn path. I always call it the well-worn path to retirement that so many families ahead of you have taken. That's what you need, right? Find that well-worn path, and that's what the Ascent Plan does. 385 385- 800-7967. Put it in your phone. Call up. One of the next 10 is getting an opportunity to have this free ascent plan given to them. 385-800-7967. And I've been through this ascent plan with Ethan. Yeah. I want people to know. And I sat down and it's great because I sit down and I, I give you the 401k numbers and I give you my rental properties and, and I give you Roth accounts that I've got and give you, you know, home and what we're at with our mm-hmm. different homes and, and real estate. And, and it all comes together to show you that well-worn path. Yeah, so you know where right. you're at, where you're headed. And that's it's exactly really nice. Right. It's very easy for us to show you, okay, here's what's going well. Here's what needs work. And here are a couple of things that we think will get you there. Eight oh. 385-800-7967. Make the call. Get the Ascent Plan. Good, bad, and ugly coming up. 
You need to see this Jazz team up close and in person. Oh, that was filthy! Listen all day, every Tuesday, for your chance to win Jazz tickets. As The Zone will give away Jazz tickets at 30 past the hour, every hour, all day long. It's Jazz Ticket Tuesday. Every Tuesday, all season long, presented by UCCU. Love where you bang. And on your exclusive home of the Utah Jazz. 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. It's time to saddle up and talk about the winners and the losers. This is the good, the bad, and the ugly. Now, here's the good. All natural ingredients, no preservatives, and plenty of protein. G2G bars are perfect for anyone who needs a quick, tasty, and nutritious boost. Also, RGS Exteriors and Construction, they are obsessed with quality results. Good, bad, and ugly always brought to you by our good friends at rgs exteriors if you're looking for some brick some siding hit them up that's rgs exteriors start with the good well lloyd i'm sure you saw this you saw the altercation you saw the fight that went down between pelicans forward zion williamson and really this thing was started between zion williamson and kevin love if for those of you that didn't kind of see what started the altercation, Kevin Love with a foul. Zion goes up for a shot, misses the shot. Butler grabs the rebound, starts to take off. Zion kind of puts his shoulder into Butler, stops him square, rips the ball away, lays the thing up, and then the altercation goes down. Uh, you saw Butler and Pelicans forward, Najee Marshall, they, they kind of got each other. Najee Marshall grabbed Butler by the throat and kind of shoved him back. Well, the good today, suspensions have been handed down. Butler, Marshall, Alvarado, and Bryant were all ejected. Love was assessed a common foul. And today, Jimmy Butler is among five players that were suspended without play for this altercation. You've got Butler and Najee Marshall that were suspended for one game for instigating and engaging in the on-court altercation. And then you've got Pelicans guard Jose Alvarado and Heat center Thomas Bryant that were suspended three games each for leaving the bench area during the on-court altercation and fighting. And then you've got Miami forward Nikola Jovic, who was also suspended for one game for leaving the bench. Lloyd, you know it. You can't I, leave the bench. I think what I've learned in all of this, by the way, is that Kevin Love is still in the league. Th- that's that was the thing. <laughs> I think that's what I learned from all of like, Wait, and, he's and still he's, here? And he's still an instigator. He is. Absolutely. He's the one that kind of kicked this whole thing up with the, with the hard foul. I know Jimmy Butler was in on the action, too. But did you watch when Zion threw his shoulder in, stopped Butler, and grabbed the ball from him? Like, give me that. Jimmy Butler's looking at him like, whoa, man. Uh, five, I was like, oh boy, this is about to get ugly. Five suspensions, but the the heavy suspensions were the ones that were coming off the bench to fight. You know, you can't come off the bench as they should, and I'm still surprised people still. I guess your immediate reaction is to protect your guys, but you got you got to stay put. You can't do it. You just can't. Yeah, if I'm remembering right, Alvarado and Bryant, I think that they were by the scores table. And I can't remember if it was Alvarado that threw it at Bryant or Bryant that threw it at Alvarado. But if I remember, you remember because there was the big scuffle that happened between Najee and Butler. 
And then they were actually assessing the fouls and booting people. And then another fight breaks out between Alvarado and Bryant over by the scores table. It was kind of an ugly scene. Not really ugly. It was still fake, tough, like the NBA typically is. But five suspensions handed down. All right, let's get to the bad. Now the bad. Yeah, this film is not good. Cam Newton is showing in a film getting in a fight with a group of guys recently and it's at this best academy six through 12 there in atlanta the bes academy and i guess cam newton runs a the c1n or seven versus seven league team that he brings or recruits and the video is terrible man i my initial instincts are to try to blame it on Cam Newton because he's boastful and in your face and pretty arrogant and you want to blame it on Cam Newton. But I've also seen film and I'm sure, Lloyd, you've seen the film. You remember when the high school player was instigating with Cam Newton and Cam yelled a couple things back and but kept his cool? I think Cam Newton takes a lot of shots. I think he takes a lot of shots, and I think he takes People a lot of people taking shots at him. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Verbal shots and trying to act tough and trying to be overly cool. And I think Cam Newton deals with a lot. And he's—I mean—he's an absolute target. I mean, you see him, you recognize him. Like he's—he's he's massive. Yeah, he's massive. You see him again going against these three guys, and he's like—he's ragdolling these. He's guys. ragdolling. Yeah. Him. And he's wearing a, a crazy, it does look like a witch's hat. It does. It does. It looks like he's wearing. That's his M.O. He loves these weird hats. The Wicked Witch of the West hat. And it's it's really strange watching him chuck dudes while wearing a witch's hat. But he was chucking dudes. It's just an ugly look, man. You know, if you're a parent and you've got a kid on that 7 and 7 team, you're like, What? If you got a kid that's you're enrolling in with Cam Newton's whatever class or whatever organization, you're like, what? That's an ugly look. It doesn't matter how you paint it. If I'm him and this stuff like is happening, I'm gonna stop doing this stuff. I'm gonna stop being a part of some of these things. Well, and that's the tough thing. He does put himself out there. He does. He's around public and he's he's around kids and he is approachable and addressable. I will tell you that Ty Detmer's the same and. You never saw a Ty Detmer scrapping with people. So there, there's something there. Hey, if only he put as much effort into the fight as he did to, to get a fumble as he did into this fight. Did Cam Newton win the Heisman? What's that? Did Cam Newton win the Heisman? Yes. Yeah, okay. Just and making you, sure. you remember that fumble in the Super Bowl that he, he, he went to go comparison. get and he backed out? In the Super Bowl? He did what? He went to go. There was a fumble in the Super Bowl. Oh, yes, and yes, yes, yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and he was he like, to go. Nope. Like, oh, nope, I'm not business, getting in there. Business decision. Yeah, I do remember that. All right, there's your bad. Let's get to the ugly. And of course, the ugly. So the UFC took their fight night, 237, to Mexico City. <laughs> have you seen? Have you seen this clip yet, Lloyd? Brawl breaks out in the crowd in Mexico City, and nobody stops it. And this brawl just continues to escalate until one individual steps up with his left hand at Haymaker and just starts knocking dudes out. He's just thump, thump, and he's knocking guys out. And guys are falling straight to their heads on the hard cement floor. And then you see, once he starts knocking people's teeth out, 
everybody's like, oh, and everybody starts to break up. But this thing went on forever. And here's Dana White addressing the situation in the postgame. Uh, what's your final feeling about the event? We know that there was a, a fight in the crowd that is not looks good uh, for the UFC, but what is uh, your final thoughts about, about this event? So the fight in the crowd doesn't look good for the UFC? I mean, that never happens. That never, literally never happens. It happened here in Mexico City. The crazy thing about that fight, when that fight broke out, it felt like it kept going forever. So I ran over there and I was watching it. Nobody stopped it. I mean, I was waiting for security to come in. They just let him go till it was over. That's one of the craziest things I've ever seen. Um, I don't think it's a bad look for the UFC. It happened and, you know, that was the end of that. I think after everybody else saw that shit, nobody else, nobody else wanted to try that again. No security. The fight just went on until the fight was over. I've never seen any shit like that in my life. Crazy. <laughs> Dana's like, it looks bad for the UFC? Really? I think it looks bad for Mexico City because this looks bad for their security. This doesn't happen in the UFC, and let alone it doesn't happen for a 10-minute stretch where people are just throwing haymakers. And Dana people said, are like looking like, can we break this up? Dana said it went until it was over, and it was the dude in the black shirt that came in and ended it because everybody just started passing out. This guy was handing out all kinds of sleeping pills. <laughs> and guys, guys were going out. The only thing they remember is their head hitting the back of the, the cement and them waking up thinking, well, where am I? Luckily, he came in. I guess he's security because he decided to end the fights. But Dana's right. This isn't a bad look for the UFC. It's a terrible look for Mexico City. Make sure you've got security members. I guess UFC, make sure that the venues you're stepping into has the right security. Maybe that's kind if of not, on you. Maybe get some extra security. Maybe. And, and by the way, he said that doesn't happen at UFC events. Dana, Dana, don't lie. Uh, we we can we can Dana. take some, like we could take some of those things. But Dana, you know, because I just saw a big brawl that broke out at one of his events, and it was between two of his fighters. No, that, those those events don't have people looking to fight. What are you talking about? Hey, You're crazy. Were you at? Uh, yes. Were you at yes, that one event? Yes. <laughs> yes, I was. When our guy got hauled out in a full Nelson. Yeah, I miss that guy. By the way, <laughs> a female security guard. A, a big brawl broke out in this uh, venue that Lloyd and I were at, and a female bodyguard or security guard decided to target one of our guys. I don't even think had anything to do with anything. He was drunk he was... off his rocker. He was all the sheets to the wind. And she just decided to pick him out of the crowd and threw him in a full Nelson. <laughs> and he's the nicest, most gentle, nonviolent guy. And there's a, a hundred people in there that are, that are throwing fists. And she takes this guy that was drunk and standing against the rail with us out. It was like... Yeah, you're kind of going after the wrong guy there. All right. All World News coming up next. Scotty G, live from Fresno. He's made it to the landing spot. We'll talk with Scotty G coming up next and through the 2 o'clock hour. That's all coming up. 
This is Jake Scott and Ben Anderson. He played for the Utah Jazz from 2004 to 2011. He's an NBA All-Star and an NBA champion. Remember Kerr. Your time in Utah remains beloved by Jazz fans. Do you feel that when you come to Utah? I always feel. I mean, it's, as soon as I step on the airport and when I'm here, even started from baggage claim to the hotel to the arena to the on the street, try to get a copy. Like, I feel that love from people. And uh, that kind of shows me, especially my when I walk around with my kids and family, when I get that still, that love from fans, they're like, oh, dad, you must have done something good here, kind of feeling. You know, I was like, I guess I did it okay. <laughs> so it kind of like, it that love really, really, really like, makes me feel great. And I feel so still. Here, Jake Scott and Ben Anderson, every day from 10 to noon on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. It's time to span the globe for the hard-hitting news you care about. Well, not really. But hey, at least we found it interesting. This is Whole World News on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. We've got got the the whole world in our hands. and Scotty 97.5 the KSL Sports Zone. Greetings from Fresno, everybody. Hi, Hans. How are you? I'm doing good, buddy. Glad you I'm made s- it. Well, yeah, we got thrown for a loop with the travel yesterday. I was supposed to leave after the show. Flight got all jacked around, and so it's like, okay, well, we got to leave at 11. So, anyway, we're here. So, we're good to go, man. Fubard. Uh, big time Fubard. Mm-hmm. But you know what? If this is the worst I deal with, then I think we'll be okay. That's... It's not too bad. Everything, uh, I, I'm bummed out. I missed the Lynn Roberts conversation. Uh, like she, that was a fun one. She's spectacular. She literally is one of my favorite coaches in the state of Utah. She is just incredible and great conversation. We will be posting that conversation here in just a little bit. But, yeah, Scotty, she was excellent. That's awesome. Complimentary well, of Utah State, too. Well, you know, that's the, it. it's always funny to hear how tight-knit the coaching community is. And it's – it's pretty uh, – you know, these people, they, they know each other. They interact with each other, even on the men's and women's side. And so it's not surprising at all that there's some familiarity there for sure. So it's, that, that's pretty fascinating to hear. Well, Scotty, whole world news today. This one actually hits really close to home. I think you and Lloyd would be interested in this. So a radio station went off air in Jasper, Alabama back on February 2nd. They sent the maintenance crew to go take a look at things, and here's the story. Welcome in, everyone. New Live at 5. And this one really had us scratching our heads here in the newsroom. A 200-foot AM radio tower in Walker County is gone, stolen without a trace. Those kind of things are just walk away by themselves. Officers are searching tonight for the thieves and the tower and trying to solve what is now a federal crime. WJLX AM's station with a much weaker signal tonight. And Tristan Rupert in Walker County with the conversation with the station's general manager. Station General Manager Brett Elmore remains hopeful that somebody shares information that allows law enforcement to find those responsible for the theft. Still, even he is blown away by what happened. I've tried all weekend to to figure it out and I just can't. I've I've been in the radio business around it all my life and, and then been in it for 26 years professionally. And I can say I've never heard of anything like this. 
and this one, I've seen it all now. Elmore says they first learned the theft on Friday. He says a Bushhog crew went down to the WJLX tower site to clean up the property, but the thieves had already cleared it out. When he arrived, he called me on Friday and said, uh, the, the tower's gone, and, I, and I, so I said, what do you mean the tower's gone? You know, and uh, are you are you sure you're at the right place? You know, and he said no. He said the tower is gone. There's wires everywhere, and it's gone. Elmore says they are working with the FCC to get temporary authority to carry on while they rebuild the AM side of their operations. Still, it's unclear just how long the rebuild efforts could take. This really hurts a small operation like this. But like I say, uh, I believe we're going to find out who did this. It's a federal crime and it, it absolutely will not be worth it to them. Again, if you know anything at all, they're asking you contact. Wait, <laughs> a, a 200 foot tower? Gone. Yes. How do you steal a 200 foot tower? I, I don't know, but the first thing I thought when I heard that story is, have, have we sent anybody up like lately just to, to go <laughs> take a peeksy poo, make sure? That sucker's still up there? Uh, you know, I think it might be worth it. I think it probably has been a year or two since, uh, well, never mind. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's a new one, man. That, I, that's It's pretty hard to walk off with a 200-foot tower. I can't even understand. I guess, I guess it just, I guess you would. You would push it over, you would topple it, and then you would part it out. That's 200. You you know these antennas really well, Scotty. I mean, that's 200 feet of just metal rotting. Oh, yeah. No, no. I mean, we're talking about tons and tons of steel there. I mean, it's just crazy amounts of metal. Uh, we did have, when I first started in um, as a PD over the old K-Fan, we had the uh, 12, eight, or we had 1320 and then 1230, which was a low-power site. It was in Murray. And... Uh, and we did and that did go off the air because uh, a couple of tweakers went in and ripped out a bunch of <laughs> copper wire out of it. Tweakers. <laughs> uh, to hey. sell to sell the copper and uh, and and everybody was like, I don't know how these dudes didn't electrocute themselves and die <laughs> on the site. Um, but apparently, getting high on meth, they they didn't care and they and they were arrested on the site. Um, but uh, but they ripped out a bunch of copper. So I've seen that happen, but I've never seen anybody actually bring down an entire tower. Depending on what their ratings are, maybe the first suspect needs to be the competitor. Yeah, it could be. Could well, be. that's that's a good point. You know. I, I do, we could because have... because we have. Well, <laughs> never mind, Lloyd. You got to stop me. <laughs> I steered. Well, I, you know what? I steered it. My bad. Oh, I could say this. Uh, ben Anderson had a tower stolen out from under him. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's true. <laughs> no, that's and it, look, the thirteen twenty was a great signal, and we had a lot of history there. And Ben goes in and finds out that he lost his job because they were turning that site into a residential, like they were going to make apartments out of it. They were selling it to make apartment complexes. Fantastic! Thank you like, for telling me that. One, so late. Yeah, it's one thing to like lose your job because like, oh, you know, we're going a different direction or something like that. They're like, no, you guys are doing fine. It's just uh, we we want to use that land for something else. It's like, I, oh, I, oh, okay. I still can't believe that story, but but Scotty, have you ever heard of anything like this? No, not even close. Nothing like that. And and by the way, he said this is federal. My guess is it's prison time if they do oh, catch yeah. him, because the cost on those antennas. I mean, you got to be in the. 200 feet hundreds this thing of thousands is 200, 
It's not like a set of keys. Yeah. Like, how, how do you? <laughs> what do you even have to haul off 200 I feet know. worth of tower? But a lot of these are placed in secluded areas that don't get checked real often. So I guess if you saw it as scrap metal that you could turn in for money, then maybe you go up there, top of the tower, and smash it and turn it in for money. But crazy story. Wow. Just that's insane. That's literally insane. All right, Hans and Scotty, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. Look, if you're trying to improve your financial well-being, don't be stealing radio towers. Uh, call our guy, Ethan, from Teton, and uh, he can help you out. <laughs> yeah, e- I've got better ideas. Ethan, you know the radio world. Uh, yeah. Did you hear this whole world news story? No, I missed it. I was on my way in when you guys got started on so it. So a signal went down in Alabama. A signal went down. They sent up the maintenance crew. The 200-foot tower is gone. Uh. It's gone. The whole thing's gone. <laughs> They're like, huh. Yeah, somebody I, stole it. I think I can come up with some better ways to earn some money for yeah. retirement. So, yeah. Yes. What you need is a plan. Those guys that stole the tower, they didn't have a plan. Uh, well, their plan is state penitentiary. <laughs> That's their retirement. <laughs> state retirement. Riding yeah. it out in a metal cot <laughs> is their retirement. But if you do want to put together a plan, something that gives you real confidence that you're going to be able to retire That's when you right. want to retire and be comfortable knowing what you've got financially, this is it. Yeah, that's right. We'll do for you an ascent plan. So we offered 10 for this uh, uh, for this radio show. So when we're on the show with you and Scotty, we're going to do 10 of these. We have we still have a few left, Good. so we're not out of them yet. So call us right now, 385-800-7967. We'll do a full ascent plan for you. This is the same ascent plan that we do for our client families. There is a well-worn path to retirement. All we need to do is show you how to get on it, and you can have the same great retirement that you see so many other people out there living. So if you are, maybe you are retired and you're worried about inflation and whether or not you can stay retired, this ascent plan is for you. Or if you're really starting to look at retirement saying, I got to get serious about this, but I'm concerned that I might be shooting myself in the foot right now. Well, this ascent plan is for you. You don't have to leave these questions unanswered. We believe at Teton Wealth Group, we believe more than anything that you deserve to live a life that you love. And and I know from personal experience, that's hard to do when you've got a lot of financial anxiety. So let's put that away because we can. So call 385-800-7967. That's 385-800-7967. We'll show you that well-worn path that so many families ahead of you have taken to a, a prosperous and joyful and wonderful retirement. Yeah, just sitting down and going over your assets and having it all put in order so you can see what your assets look like. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then you, you can get some subtle advice of, hey, you don't have enough insurance or you've got too much taxable or you've got, you need to boost a little bit of the non-taxable or That's you right. need to go in this avenue. And it was really nice. I've, I've filled out the ascent plan. I sat down with Ethan for a while, went through everything and it was really nice to see it. And I keep that binder in Good. my desk and I reference that it's not that, you know, you and I are actively engaged every day trying to get me going for retirement, but I did that plan to know where I stand. Yeah, it is. It's just so incredibly valuable. Get some numbers down on play, on paper and get a plan out ahead. I mean, that's that's the number one thing that you can do for yourself is just have a plan to move forward, have a little bit of accountability, get some of those tasks done. You will be amazed and you'll be proud of how much progress you can make even in a short time. It's better than you think it is. Yeah. Three, eight, five. 800-7967. This is a free ascent plan. Correct. Through Teton. 385-800-7967. Take action. Get started now. 
so that in five, eight, ten years down the road, you can look back and say, man, I'm so glad I did that. I'm so glad I, I called in and got that started because it will change the direction of your retirement. 385-800-7967. That's Teton. Thank you, Ethan. Thank you. Hanson Scotty, 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone.